It's time for pumpkin flavors and new fall favorites at Dunkin'. And also some tough decisions. Like, do I want a signature pumpkin spice ice latte? A brand new oat milk latte? A new chai latte? Or a pumpkin iced coffee? Oh, and the bakery. Do I want a pumpkin donut or... Uh, there are other people behind you in this drive-thru. Oh, uh, I'll just take it all. Okay. It's all the cozy you crave at Dunkin'. Pumpkin favorites and new fall additions. Like new creamy without the dairy oat milk lattes and the signature pumpkin spice ice latte, plus more. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Welcome back, listener. How are you doing? I'm glad you had a good week. This is Aaron Richmond, and you are listening to Aaron's Opinion, the podcast for blind people where we talk about critical issues in the blindness community. By the way, before we get our stuff, uh, get this episode going, this episode of Aaron's Opinion is copywritten by Aaron Richmond and Aaron's Opinion. Thank you. Aaron's Opinion can be heard almost anywhere you get a podcast, from Apple to Spotify to Spreaker, YouTube. Uh, we're probably there along with Twitter, Facebook, and even consider becoming a patron on my Patreon page. That would be great. Uh, today we are for the, I think for the third episode, ironically, at least the third installment of this podcast, we're speaking to someone all the way from the land down under, all the way from Australia. Olivia Powell joins us now. She is, this is someone who is, happens to be sighted, but sighted people are, are of course welcome on this podcast as they should be, as they are. And um, she's a life coach and she uh, does a lot of interesting things in the podcast world that I think you at home, the listener would appreciate. Olivia, welcome to Aaron's Opinion. How are you? Oh, what a great introduction. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so happy to be my, here. My pleasure. My pleasure. So let's, um, let's kind of walk through things in the, in the order that I think would kind of make sense. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people around the world and a lot of people certainly in the blindness community, right? We've talked mm -hmm. about this, you know, off the air too, about how to talk about, you know, blindness and talk to blind people. And I'll tell you that one thing that a lot of blind people talk about around the world is the common question, what are, so what are life coaches? What is life coaching? I think this is a topic that is definitely heated because I think there's a lot of debate about what exactly do life coaches do? And I know you are a life coach. So why don't you tell us, number one, what is life coaching? Number two, um, how you became a life coach. And number three, what do life coaches actually do? And if you want, really, talk about your journey as a life coach for a while here. Uh, why don't you dig into that for a bit? Go ahead. Perfect. Yeah. So you're totally right. Life coaching is a very contentious issue. And to be honest with you, I can completely understand why it is because for me, when I first went into life coaching, it took me a long while to actually understand what a life coach actually does, because I think the name itself or the term isn't exactly the most the best way that you could actually describe what they are and what they do. So what I mean by that is, is when people hear the word life coach, they think, oh, okay, are you just like some sort of guru when you tell people how to live their lives, <laughs> right? And right, so wait, so let me, so let me just ask you, so, okay, so let's, let's just get the record straight. So are you some guru who's going to tell me how to live my life? <laughs> no, definitely not. 100% no, no, no. <laughs> I have no. a very, I have a very sarcastic uh, nature of my podcast. I love to joke around and make it a very entertaining and educational experience. Okay, so what do, <laughs> so so what do life coaches do then? Well, firstly, I think if you're, if you're, if you're someone that thinks that you're, you know, 
there to tell people how to live their lives, I think that you're terribly misunderstood around what a life coach is and what they should do because life coaching is actually against that. So I'm a certified life coach. I trained through the life coaching college in Sydney via distance and I did some face-to-face training there. And this is where the misconception happens because people think, oh, you're a life coach, you coach people on how to live their lives, but it's actually really not about that. So what a life coach actually is, is a person that helps another person, an individual find out the answers for themselves, because my answers for my life are different to yours, Aaron, and to your listeners. And from, you know, my mum to my dad, to my colleagues and friends, like, there's no like one truth, so to speak, you know, one size does not fit all because we're also vast and different and complex and have different needs and personalities and backgrounds and values. Right. So to be arrogant, to think I'm, you know, a life coach and I tell people how to live like that's firstly not the grounds of what a life coach actually does, you know, and if you are from that perspective, then I'd say that they probably haven't been trained or got their certification or, um, you know, there might be some other underlying things that are hindering them because that's actually going to hinder their practice as a life coach. And it's also going to potentially put other people, you know, off guard because they're like, who are you to tell me what's right for me and how to live my life? Do you know what I mean? Which is totally fair. So what a life coach is, is that there's someone that helps that person find the answers for themselves through careful questioning and like masterful crafty questions to get that person to think in a whole new different way and to help that person basically increase their awareness of what their options in their life are, you know, because the mind is an incredible tool and we can talk ourselves in and out of things quite easily or sometimes really hard, right? Like there's been moments in my life where I thought I was doomed you know I thought I wasn't going to get out of I wasn't going to be able to find the light or the answer or improve it in any way and it was actually through certain questions that actually opened up my awareness and I realized oh I'm actually not stuck I'm I've created these walls for myself in my own mind and if I just think differently and tweak my thinking patterns it opens up all these different options and then you can actually climb yourself out of those dark moments or those you know, challenging times in life that you want to overcome, but you just don't know how. So that's what a life coach helps people do. Um, and I've done, I've done one-to-one life coaching now for like a year, over a year and a half. I've just finished up doing one-to-ones and I can tell you right now, every single person that's come to me is so different. Like, yes, there's some underlying themes and patterns that we're taught as a life coach. And there are certain themes and patterns that people come to you with, but your job as a coach is to get to the root issue, not to listen to just the story and get into the rut with them, but actually to help pull them out of that. But at the same time, you are not responsible for their outcomes because if that person's not willing to show up and do the work and actually learn, then there's only so much you can do. Excellent. Okay, cool, cool. Basically the, you know, and and in my own life, um, I, I'm a teacher of English as a second language. I work online for a company, which these days that's really not saying much. Everybody works online, but me included, I work online. And oftentimes I tell students that, I'm not necessarily, in, and in essence, I am teaching you English as a second language, but I really see my role as someone who, who kind of helps to facilitate your learning. And when you said that you help people, you know, life coaching is basically, the way I interpreted that is you basically facilitate someone's positive thoughts so that they can truly get to the root of solving, solving the problems of their lives so that they can reach their success. 
that's how I yeah. interpret that. Okay, cool. Yeah, you're so, a facilitator and like a catalyst for positive change. But let me just say, it's not always positive thinking. Sometimes sure. I get my, my clients to think really negatively. And mm. that, that's, a, that's a means of actually getting them to feel into the pain. So for example, you know, humans do one of two things. They either do anything they can to move away from pain because it's really uncomfortable in some capacity or alternatively, they'll do whatever they need to do to get to pleasure. So for some of my clients, you know, if they, for example, like I, I, I'm a business coach, right? I used to work in narcissistic relationships. So when I worked as a relationship coach, some of these women that were really stuck in these highly toxic, highly, you know, manipulative, really, really abusive relationships that, you know, both of us knew that weren't good for them, but for some reason they just couldn't leave because of this thing called a trauma bond. Sometimes they were, it was easier for them to cope by burying their head in the sand and denying and avoiding the actual real thing. So I'd have to future pace with them. And what that means is, is that you get them to go out into a certain specific time in the future. And I do this through NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming. So Mm -hmm. you speak to their subconscious mind um, and it's like a guided meditation, I guess, is like the easiest way to describe it. <laughs> sure, sure, but- sure, sure. So, so, so listener, you might remember, li- li- listeners to this, to this podcast will remember several months ago, um, I interviewed a woman who specializes in that exact thing, that neuro-linguistic neuro- programming. Um, it's like really cool. It's like where you mm. say the way she described, the way it's described is you basically help people to relax and you like get their mind to think about certain thoughts and get them to imagine you certain words and, and analyze what they say to produce certain visual images that help them to overcome certain scenarios. Um, and that's what that reminded mm-hmm. me of that particular episode that I recorded months back. And it's, yeah, that, that neuro, neuro language programming, that's really, really fascinating. When, when done appropriately and properly, that's really cool, yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. You're so right. And it's really powerful too. Like, you know, for those that, you know, are very new to the term life coaching and what it's all about, if you're sitting here confused and a bit like that sounds really fluffy, like I totally get it. Cause I was one of those people that was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, and there's one thing, you know, having it explained to you, but it's a whole other thing when you actually go through that physical experience, I kind of like relate it to riding a bike. You know, you can read every textbook under the sun and listen to stories on how to do it. But until you're the actual physical person that's getting onto that bike and experiencing what it's like, it's a different level. Do you know what I mean? It's a whole different level of understanding. And it's the same thing with life coaching. Definitely. Definitely. And when you, when you were getting certified at this university, you know, so exactly um, what did you, you know, how would you describe the courses and what, what exactly would they teach you as far as certification? I mean, what are the, you know, standards that you needed to, you know, to, to pass to be uh, allowed to do this? Yeah. Good question. Well, so for me, it felt like I was coming home. It's kind of a hard thing to explain, but I went to their welcome day because I was, I was curious, you know, like for me, part of my story was, you know, I'm 30 years old who lives in Australia. Um, but for about six and a half years of most of my twenties, I was really with a toxic partner. And when that relationship ended, it basically like that whole relationship set me on this whole, it just shifted everything for me. You know, it made me spin into a quarter life crisis. I didn't know what I was doing with my life, what made me happy. I totally lost myself and my voice and love really is blind or it was for me anyway, in that relationship. And I turned a blind eye to so many things and it really bit me in the bum later. Um, and then when that relationship broke down and ended, I was like, I was basically rediscovering every single area of what made me me and what I thought in the, of the world, like everything. It's really hard to explain, but 
um, yeah, I was very lost, you know, and I knew that I wanted to help people in a different way because I am a registered nurse and a registered midwife. Um, and I realized that I didn't want to just do task related stuff. I really wanted to help people delve into their emotions more, but I didn't want to be a therapist or a psychologist because I wanted to work with well, healthy people that just need a little bit of, you know, extra assistance and empowerment and help, you know, that weren't necessarily like sick with any mental health diagnosable disorders or anything. Right. And um, so I went to the welcome day in Sydney and when I walked in, I just, I can't explain it. It was just like the most magical feeling because I walked into this small hotel room because it was actually like a conference room at a hotel in the middle of Sydney. And I walked in and there's all these desks in front of you with this big screen and the trainer or the teacher down the front. And there was like this beautiful notebook that was there for everyone with like a little welcome bag. And the notebook said something like, something about, you know, your dreams or some sort of positive affirmation. And I was like, Ooh, and it had in the background, this song playing, what a wonderful world. And the dreamer inside of me was like, Oh my God, this is where I'm meant to be. You know, cause I was saying to have like a, an awakening, like self-actualization and like a spiritual shift, you know, it's that my identity was changing. And I walked into that room and I was there for the whole day that they, you know, ran through the course and what it included and all these things. And I was like, oh my God, yes, I have to do this. I have to make it happen. And that's when I signed up. And the certification that I did was, it was really self-paced. So you could get it all done within like a couple of months if you wanted to, if you went, you know, full at it, like full throttle. Um, but you could also do it over like two years or something like that if you wanted to as well. So my plan was to get it done as soon as possible. However, they really did have some criteria, like you had to have 30 hours of um, one-to-one coaching practice. Um, you had to do certain face-to-face -face trainings. So things like NLP, gosh, I've got all my certifications in my folder somewhere, but there was timeline therapy. Um, there was a whole bunch of stuff actually. And I remember after the second, I think it was face-to-face -face training, that's when you could actually go out and coach people because you needed to get that practice. Um, cause like anything to be an expert, it's like 10,000 hours of doing something. Right. So I was really novice, very at the beginning of my journey. Um, and the school really encouraged everyone to start coaching people ASAP. They said, this is the thing that people do wrong is that they wait until the end of the certification to, cause they have that whole perfectionism thing around themselves and being a coach. Like they feel like they've got to complete absolutely everything before they get started. But they said, you're actually self-sabotaging because when you get to the end of the certification, you have all this pressure on yourself to get started and you don't have any experience. Right. So that's why they encourage you to do the 30 hours of coaching while you're doing the program and all these other things. Um, and, and whatnot. And what I really loved about this particular course was, you know, I'd already had two degrees an undergraduate and a postgraduate, and that was all through university systems, which was great, but I found it very stifling with my learning style, you know, like there was specific deadlines and you had to write essays this way and, you know, all these competencies. And it was all very, very, very structured. Whereas I loved that this program was like, you know, all this diploma was like self self-paced and it was something that I actually really wanted to study not like oh I've got to study this so I can get the certificate at the end I was so drawn to it and I loved the content and the certain people that I was meeting were amazing you know very enlightened open-minded people um, and as I was going through that journey they're the sort of people that I wanted to attract in so I did my certification a while ago now so it's hard to remember all the details but it wasn't necessarily hard to do it just took commitment and discipline you know to actually get to the finish line Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true for most, many people when they go, you know, to university, it's seen as a, seen as a bit of a chore for many. And then when you get out and you really start working and discovering what you want to do, that that's where it gets a lot easier and a lot, yeah. a lot more. Um, 
I mean, rewarding really isn't the word, but you start to see more of a positive effect um, because in the United States, you know, people go to university because we've decided that you need to go to university to do everything else. <laughs> so, <Yes>. which is <laughs> kind of what it's become. And, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not convinced um, about that one way or the other, really, but it, it is, it is interesting how after university, I, you know, got into teaching and then became a lot more interested in teaching than I ever had in, in anything that I had studied in the past. So mm -hmm. I think, I think everybody is like that. I think that when you go to university the first time, you don't really know, you don't really know what you want to do that first time in university. Yeah, because um, you're so young and you haven't had any major career experience before. So you kind no. of go, or most, that sounds good, I'll Or most, that. most blind people have had zero career experience when they approach university, if they get to that point of approaching university, they usually have had very limited to no fair career experience because mm. employers don't want to hire people really unless you have the university degree. So it's very, mm. very strange and very difficult. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That would but, be, yeah. I, can, I can't even imagine. Do you know what I mean? Like that would be quite difficult. Like I, I would hope that there's more like supportive, you know, schools or university or TAFEs out there that would cater, you know, to your tribe that, Let's, you know, might want to work. To, like my, that, to, tribe, to my tribe. I see. I see. No. Um, so no, no, there are no, there are not, there are not any universities. That's a real, that's a really, that was a very, a very cute way of putting that. But no, there are, <laughs> there are not any universities um, that cater to people with, who, who are blind. Um, there are schools for the blind, uh, but there are not universities for the blind. Um, because that type of thing doesn't really, doesn't really work. Um, I mean, you know, you're cited, so I'm, I'm not, I don't expect you, you know, it's totally fine if you have absolutely no idea, but I don't know, what's your impression? Do you think blind people in Australia are, you know, actively pursuing university or do you think there's still probably some underlying challenges as there are here in the States or wherever Yeah, it's it a good be? question. Mm -hmm. Well, like I am a registered nurse, so I have had some experience looking after blind people before, but they're usually elderly, right? So they're, they're re retired or like never actually got to work, so to speak. So they never really, like I never really dealt with young blind people. So I don't really know the answer to that. Do you know what I mean? Because when I worked sure. in aged care, sure. yeah, I was mostly looking after, you know, um, geriatrics and older people or more mature people. So it's a whole different ball game. You know what I mean? So I don't really know that much about, you know, younger mm -hmm. blind people and, and what sort of, you know, support services have got or like opportunities that they can have, you know. Um, but like, what's really cool, Aaron, is like, you know, look at you, like you're a podcaster, you're still, you know, serving people and getting out there and putting a message out there and, and helping, you know, other blind people, which is so inspirational. And, you know, I, I know for so. me, when I first and met you, I was you. like, well, how do you do that if you can't see, like, what software you've got to use and all this that, and the other? So I'd actually love it if you could tell me a little bit more about that. So oh, sure, I can of course. Share this to my audience. Sure, sure. Well, well, as, as, as a matter of fact, I have, I have good news. I have good news and better news. The good news is I'd be more than happy to answer your question right now. The better news 
is you're more than welcome. You're more than welcome to invite Aaron's opinion to guest on your podcast. And I'd be happy to talk. I'd be happy to get say, well, thank you for the invitation ahead of the invitation. I'd be more than happy to, to guest on your. See, that's God. That's so guys. That's so nice. See, now Olivia doesn't have to spend the time out of her busy day coaching people how to live their lives, inviting me to guest on her podcast because I've already done it. Isn't that God? That's that's pretty. That's that's interesting. Yes. So. All you really need to, you know, pod, the, the, the most interesting thing in one of the, well, let me, let me start the answer by saying that one of the greatest barriers that you should, you know, learn more about for people, you know, who are blind, but the, one of the greatest barriers in life right now that I see around the world is that there are so many barriers to entry mm. and podcasting is the, one of the very, 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 very few activities where I feel no restraints. I feel no barriers to entry. The only barrier is that you have to have an internet connection and you have to have a voice and you have to be willing to talk and have an engaging conversation. Mm-hmm. But, but really, that's why so many blind people do this and that's why it's so, um, it's so interesting um, <clears throat> for me because there's no, there's no limit to this. And, you know, in America, I can basically talk about what I want to talk about and I can easily share my message with basically no, no, no barriers, no walls to climb over, no, almost no rules as the, as that group on Facebook says, no rules podcasting, you know, because Mm -hmm. with podcasting, there basically are no, no rules to it. It's just speak your mind, talk, you know, educate people, try to have an, an informed conversation, try to say something interesting, you know, be entertaining and try to just help one more person because I believe, in fact, I know that if I help you, I might help, okay, I might help a million other, thousand other Australians or who knows, people in England, people in France. You, you never know. And the, 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 greatest, the greatest audience members to Aaron's opinion or your most valuable audience members to your podcast, Olivia, are the silent ones. Those are mm. the people we talk to, the silent, silent people in our audience. Those are the people who, you know, are too shy, too nervous to email me at Opinion 6 at gmail.com and talk about what they want to talk about with me, which I don't know why people are so scared of me, really. I mean, but, you know, you, <laughs> you, know, you, have, you have a lot of people in, in these audiences who are listening because, you know, no fault. It's not, it's not their fault or anything, but a lot of people are at home right now. You know, they need something to do and they're just trying to listen to content that they can learn from. And I really hope in my heart and belief in my heart that Aaron's opinion is is accomplishing that one goal. If I just help one, I just helped a million. And so the, basically the way, the way it works is I record here on Zoom as we're talking right now, then I upload it to, I pull out the file, I translate it into an MP3 uh, through a, another app, and then I take that MP3 and put it into Spreaker. And then from Spreaker, it's published outwards into the universe of podcasting. And then it's on my Facebook, my Twitter, and it's all done automatically, all with one click. So it's very, very, very powerful, the software is, yeah. So that's mm. basically how this works. Um, I, that's pretty simple, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think too, like, just to touch on your other point. So firstly, thank you for sharing that, because I think it'd be really interesting for a lot of my audience to my know pleasure. how that works. 
My pleasure. Yeah, but you're right about the barriers to entry. Like one of the great things that I love about podcasting, and I talk about this on my show too, is the fact that it is unlimited and you can be a rule breaker. You don't have any like structures or guidelines you've got to follow or any criteria you've got to meet. You can literally just set it up and do your thing. Like there's no, you know, like any loopholes or anything you've got to jump through. Do you know what I mean? Like it's totally you know, personalized to you. And, and I think it's great when people actually step up and have a voice and share their voice that connects with others. And a lot of the time it empowers them to be able to share their voice as well, you know, feeling empowered to be able to do that for themselves. So I think that's really, really great. Um, and you t- you're right as well with the silent listeners. Yeah. Like I think about the, you know, podcasts that I listen to and I haven't necessarily reached out to the podcast host, but I love Why their not? content. What, 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 are you so, what are you so afraid of? Why are you afraid to reach out? I'm not afraid. It's just that I listen to a lot of different podcasts. <laughs> I mean, that, so if see, I reached out to everyone. That's the problem. We all, and I think that's a lot of it. I think that's exactly the problem. I think that there are, two, there, that there is a, we're just, the podcast world is just saturated with podcasts, you know, left, right, up and down. There's so many. It's almost impossible to reach out because there's so many that you want to listen to. I think that's a lot of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's it's definitely like trending and it's hot at the moment. I do think podcasting is going to become a lot more popular because every year, like the statistics show that they're it's rising. Um, I still think there's a lot of growth to go though in this area, um, which I'm excited to see. You know, and, me too. Oh, yeah. I think I I think I got into this. I got into this about a year ago. My show was under another name, and then last March, um, you know, when I was sitting at home for some reason in between students, I needed something to do. I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to see about getting this podcast a little bit more developed. And then from Spreaker, I was able to get onto Apple. And then after I got onto Apple, I thought, wow, I mean, that's, that's cool. That's exciting. I didn't know I was iTunes material. And then from there, it just kind of fanned, you know, fanned outwards and upwards from there. And now I have, you know, the ability to reach out to guests and things, things like that. But you said something interesting. You said that this is really going to grow in the future. You think this is going to be a very um, common form of media in the future. How much, what, what growth do you see and what do you think will happen? Well, firstly, so COVID has kind of disrupted. It's been interesting what's happened with COVID actually and podcasting. (laughs) So um, according to Edison's research, which is like the holy grail of all podcasting statistics, you know, it was showing that podcasting was rising every single year and like um, increasing more and more, you know, for the year, from the year prior, right? So it just kept stacking and stacking and stacking. And then COVID hit and it was really interesting too, like seeing my downloads into statistics because I saw a massive drop, you know, and at the Mm. time I was crossing niches, I was going from business, you know, podcasting and, you know, business coaching, so to speak, and entrepreneurialism for females to, you know, podcasting as being my niche now. So I was like, part of me was like, oh, maybe it's because, you know, part of my old audience has dropped off, ready to bring in the new one, or maybe it's actually COVID. So it kind of all happened around the same time. So I did some research And it was showing that, yes, overall, the podcasting downloads had dropped. However, for some specific categories, it was like skyrocketing, you know, things around politics, health in the home, parenting at home, all those sort of things like, you know, sports went right down, um, business went down, believe it or not. Um, This is all general statistics. So, of course, so it's not always true for every single podcaster out there. Um, but it was really interesting to see that like the overall level had dropped. And I think that's got to do with like the disruption that it took in all of our lives, you know, instead of turn, like people, you know, had lost their jobs. So they're not in the car commuting or via train or whatever, you know, listening to podcasts like they normally would, or even going to the gym and working out because that was all closed, you know, so naturally people were at home more and weren't necessarily thinking I've got to go listen to podcasts. Right. 
So I think though, like I've noticed the last few months, the downloads have started picking up again. People are resharing, you know, podcasting content on their stories and whatnot. And so statistics are showing that things are getting back on track, but it's going to be really interesting to see where they go, you know, post COVID life. Um, because I think it's still going to grow. And I know a lot of people have actually started their podcasts during this COVID period as well. So um, yeah, I personally think the projections are, and I could be wrong, but I, I see it, you know, bouncing back and then getting stronger. Mm, well, that's, that's really, that's really good. So um, let's see. Um, back to your life life coach, some of the different coaching experiences that you've had. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to my audience about maybe um, if, if you were to think back, and I'm sure you've spoken to hundreds, if not thousands of people, but if you were to think back, was there any one person or any one, um, you know, coaching experience that really that really made you think deeply about, you know, the true meaning of life or maybe that really challenged your, your school of thought or really, really challenged your way of thinking or really did someone ever say something that just really shocked you, really gobsmacked you and really made you think, wow, that's a really interesting perspective. What do you think about all of that? Ooh, that is such a good question. I'm sure there's many um, because, oh gosh, I'm sure there's many. It's just one thing does come to mind when, so I grew up very like in a really religious community, right? So I used to go to church twice a day. I was at church nearly after every day after school, you know, with like, you know, youth group and girls group and all this sort of stuff. And I don't consider myself religious anymore. Um, so what happened was I moved away from that community to go to university and interstate and um, because I was out of that environment, I kind of rejected religion altogether because it was quite a toxic church that I went to at the time um, and didn't allow any independent thought, really. And if, if you did have any, it was kind of like squashed really quickly. Um, so you had to conform quite a lot. And so I went to uni and at uni, I was learning, you know, about questioning thought processes and stuff, especially as like in healthcare, you can't just do something. You've got to have a reason for it and have evidence and all this sort of stuff. So religious wise, that all fell away. And then I met my narcissistic ex-fiance and he was very atheist. However, throughout most of my life, I've always felt that there was something more than just us humans on this earth. And I couldn't quite pinpoint what it was because I didn't totally like the idea of what the church was teaching. I didn't like the idea of there not being a God at all. And this was just my personal perspective. Um, and after that relationship, that's when like I started to become more like awakened, I guess you'd say, and have, and realized that I was actually quite spiritual, but I had to kind of learn what I was feeling. Do you know what I mean? And then put like logic to it as well. So I consider myself more spiritual now. Um, and I think what really helped was more like back then I had to be open-minded to different thought processes. Do you know what I mean? Cause I was so used to being conformed for so long that having an opinion <laughs> was like, baffling the fact that you could just have one and not be crucified for it I was like oh my gosh this is so freeing you know and I think I think something that really changed for me was when I heard somewhere and a podcast had a lot to do with this too right because I was listening to a lot of different podcasts um you know a few years ago and I was going through all this at the beginning of, of my journey um I just naturally started listening to podcasts from people that you know they were business related and entrepreneurial but they had a spiritual undertone and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And I kept hearing this saying, you know, we're all just, you know, physical, like we're actually souls having a physical human experience. And I was like, what does that even mean? Do you know what I mean? Like, what does that 
mean? And so I started to enter the whole world of like, you know, the subconscious, I'm learning about the brain more, like the conscious brain, the subconscious brain. That's when I got fascinated by life coaching. Cause you know, when you do NLP and timeline therapy and all those things, you're not talking to the logical clinical reasoning brain. You're talking to the soul and this, the subconscious part of someone's brain. So I started to realize through, you know, all my learnings and stuff that there was two different planes that, you know, we could actually live in, which might sound really bizarre to some people. And I get it. Cause I used to be like, you are talking a whole lot of smack right now. <laughs> Um, but through like my reality changing, that's when I started to notice these things. So it just kept stacking up, you know, one upon the other. It was like, I'd hear one thing and I was like, Oh, that challenges my old ways of believing. Do you know what I mean? And then other things. And like, there's no, no one main thing, but I do remember, um, when I was going through all this, I was working full time for a mining company and I was very isolated, you know, I was spending hours in a, a day in a van in the middle of whoop whoop doing medicals on these miners. And I just found myself really, truly unhappy and unfulfilled. And I knew that I wasn't just here just to do the repetitive, you know, task-based crap. Basically I was like, I'm made, I'm made for more than this. Like this is not the life that I'm meant to be living. And um, I started Googling like how to be happy. Right. And in hindsight, I think, wow, there might've been something really quite wrong back then to be Googling that sort of thing. But, you know, I stumbled across some really inspirational people like Tony Robbins and, and he challenged a lot of the old beliefs that I had and old thoughts and stuff. So I just kept consuming more of his content um, and, you know, more and more podcasts. And it just opened my mind, like podcasts, honestly opened my whole world and set me on like my personal development journey and my business and entrepreneur entrepreneurial journey and everything. And that's kind of, you know, one moment leads to another and then the, you know, the dots connect and it kind of leads you to where you are now. So I can't say it was just one moment. I feel like I've had lots of moments that have kind of added up. Um, and yeah, and now I feel like I'm at a space and I have for the last 22 months or so where I feel like I'm strong enough in myself to actually, you know, talk to at the time when you're starting a podcast, it feels like you're talking to no one, like there's nothingness. <laughs> Um, but you know, your audience grows and then you realize, wow, people actually are listening. And what I say does have an impact and people are either going to agree or disagree. And that's okay. At least you're having the conversations that either no one else is or conversations that need to be had, you know? Definitely. And so I, I hope think... that answers the question. <laughs> it sure. That was a, that, that was an ex excellent response. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think with, with podcasting, from how I got into it in the beginning was, and if you want, I'm sure you will, if you, if you like, you can go through my catalog and scroll to the bottom and see where I started, where I was doing a lot of different monologues for 30 minutes each, mm. where I would, my advice out there to anyone who wants to get in, you know, get into podcasting is no, no, you have to remember three things, your audience, your audience, and your audience. And if you, look at what they are saying on Facebook or in special interest groups on Facebook, Facebook groups, for instance, I was able, if someone asked a question, what I would do is I would take 30 minutes out of my day and I would respond to their question with an episode of a podcast. So yes. I would produce an episode that answers a question and that became a monologue. Well, monologue, monologue, monologue. Eventually, it led to me attracting, you know, some of these other people in the group to come on and guest and we would have the full conversation. But you definitely have to you definitely have to hone it and you definitely have to work towards it. And you are at first, you are not talking to anyone, but downloads add up shockingly quickly and people start to notice very quickly, too. 
So it is, yeah. it is very interesting how quickly people, um, you know, you know, pick up on that. So what, tell us a little bit more about, it sounds like you have several different podcasts that you run. Tell us more about specifically your content and what someone can find when they come over to your, to your podcast. Yeah. So I actually have the one podcast, but I do refer to having past podcasts because I've pivoted so many times. Um, and this is something I'm teaching in my program at the moment, actually, is like how I've changed my podcast four times and rebranded. So my initial podcast, and by the way, it's still like, I haven't shut one down and started a new one. I've just kept the same one, but changed the intro, the outro, the music, the focus, like the niche. Um, so my first podcast was all about helping codependent women overcome narcissistic and toxic marriages and relationships and breakups and help with dating and identifying like healthy relationships and being healthy within yourself and all this, that, and the other. So I was basically just like sharing all of my own healing and recovery. Cause I, I was like you, Aaron, cause I was like, I know too much not to like, I'd be doing a disservice to others if I don't share this and what I've learned, like it's such high value stuff. And even if I just touch one person's life, just one woman out there in the world, then I've done a good job. And that was my, yeah, that was like my expectation. And so that way, you know, it kind of, that way I couldn't fail. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Cause it's like, my goal was just to help one person and it helped so much more than, than that, you know, like, you know, with the emails and messages I'd get from all around the world, especially last year, but anyway, moving on. It was just amazing. It was incredible. And then I moved out of that area and I moved into the, you know, coaching, like business coaching niche. Um, So I did that for about six months. And then I realized, hmm, business coaching is great. And yes, there are so many business podcasts out there. I was like, what's my, what's my thing? Like, what's my zone of genius? You know, you've got some business people that have podcasts that are really great at like funnels or they're really great at like helping people with confidence or whatever. And I was like, hmm, podcasting is actually really my thing. Do you know that I know quite a lot about and I can teach others about. So that's when I, you know, re-niched or rebranded like a month or two, two two months ago, I think it was. Um, And now on my podcast, it's called Become a Podcast Queen. And what I do there is I actually try and help people become the queen of their own podcast, so to speak. So typically I help women, but I do have men that listen and and engage and whatnot, which is really cool and really great. But it's basically about how to master podcasting, you know, all the basics and the foundational things that you need to know to actually have a successful podcast and monetize a podcast and interview, you know, really cool people like celebrities or high profile influencers, whatever. Um, and, and that's what my program is doing right now, actually, is actually teaching all the ins and outs. Um, so that's kind of where, what's kind of what I'm doing at the moment. And I absolutely love it. It definitely lights me up. And that's the other thing too. Like when you choose, you know, to do a podcast, pick a topic that really lights you up and that you absolutely love and get excited about and could, could talk about for hours on end, you know, because when you're excited and lit up, it's really easy to come up with content. Whereas when you feel like it's forced or it's an obligation or it's too much of a responsibility and it's like a burden the creative flow gets blocked and it's really quite hard to come up with content for podcasts um, or episodes. So what I tend to do is as soon as I get any sort of inspiration, I whip out my mobile and I, I put a note in my phone and I can come back to it at a later date. Um, and that's how I've always kind of created my content. <laughs> really simple. Excellent. Cool. I agree. I think that once you know your audience, your audience, your audience, then you really, you really have it down. I mean, you really have it down pat, as we say. Um, you know, I, I, I have found that I, I certainly do not share this podcast everywhere. I only share this podcast with, you know, with other blind people, meaning I don't on purpose post this podcast all over social media. 
-hmm. I only post it in places where I know my audience is. So mm -hmm. it's kind of selfish and it kind of is, it's kind of weird, but there are only certain people that I, I only target, I guess, certain people initially. And then from there, the, the listeners kind of spread out from there. But, you know, if, you know, m most people, and you included, I'm sure, and it's totally okay, totally fine and understandable. Most people have never heard of Aaron's opinion for the reason that I don't make a big deal of sharing this because I only want the right people in my audience to know, you know, it's kind of selfish it is, but it's, you know, it's, it's kind of strange. You know, there's a lot of people in social media and just these trolls, I guess, as I would call them. I, here in the states, we call them trolls. And, and, and on your side, down under, do you have a do you have a better word for trolls, or do you say trolls over there too? We say trolls, and some people use the word haters. Um, and oh, that's, that's well, actually, I think you're. I don't think you're selfish. I think you're actually really smart because of two I reasons. That. Very kind of you. Very sweet. I appreciate that. Tell us why. Thank you. <laughs> I think the first reason is because like, you know, who you've built this podcast for, you know, exactly who you're speaking to and who your audience is for and who this is, who this is for. Right. And you're just targeting those people. You're sharing it with them. Do you know what I mean? And that's the whole point. Like, um, you know, and this is what I say to my clients too. It's like, you start out narrow and then you go wide if you want to, but by starting out narrow, then you actually get the right people listening. There's no point trying to get right. everyone under the sun or in the entire earth listening to your podcast because it's not supposed to be for everyone. Exactly. It's supposed to be for a certain type of person. And that's why I use the, the term tribe, you know, they're your tribe because, you know, your <laughs> niche is helping blind people. Do you know what I mean? There's, right. And it's for them, the content's for them, you know, to help improve their lives. Um, and so naturally when you're speaking, and this is why having a niche is so important. This is what I teach about, you know, like it's different. If you're like Kim Kardashian or Donald Trump, God forbid, or whatever, and they've got a podcast, <laughs> they'll attract a lot of people, <laughs> you know? They'll attract a lot of people and that's fine. Like they're already really high profile. They're famous. People want to know the, you know, the, for the most part behind the scenes or any juicy stuff. But for the majority of us that have podcasts, we just want to touch the people that we want to touch, you know, and speak to those people. And so I think what you've done there is actually really smart. And then they're going to feel really cared for and supported because they're like, yeah, this is a podcast for me. And I know other people like me. So I'm going to refer Aaron's opinion onto other people like me that would benefit from this. And so naturally your audience does, you know, grow and you do build your, your downloads quickly because you've niched. It's such a smart way to do things. Thank you. Exactly. And that's, that's how I, that's how I have viewed that. And I, yeah. And yeah, I found that there are, when you know what your, who your audience is, I found that there are actually less trolls. Yeah. I actually don't get trolled a lot. So um, I don't know why I'm waiting for the day that it happens. I know it will one day, <laughs> like it just doesn't happen very often. Um, I know when I first started out in the narcissistic space as a, as a coach, um, yeah. literally the first day that I put my, I created the Instagram account, <laughs> uploaded my first post. I got massively trolled by this one. Psychologist <laughs> from, like, um, maybe, were they, were they secretly, you mean that you actually attracted the, the attention of a narcissist? How is that possible? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. It was a very scathing message. Let me tell you. Um, and it was, you know, it was quite really, it was really awful. I was actually close to just pulling all my accounts down and then quitting like, oh, and cause I started my podcast before my business, right. Before I became a life coach. Um, and so I thought, oh my God, if, if this is what someone thinks of me, then maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not a therapist. I'm not this, I'm not that. But, you know, once I learned more coaching, 
you know, knowledge and skills and training, I can see that that person was triggered by me and that's actually on them. That's their problem. Um, because I know that I've helped people and I know that I can help people because I've got the evidence of that now. Um, but if I listen to that one person over in England, you know, my podcast, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. I wouldn't have gotten all the results right. that I got. Right. And if I listen to yeah. that one naysayer, that one troll, that one hater. And to be honest with you, I haven't really heard a lot um, from trolls. So I guess I'm pretty lucky that way, I guess. Well, well, cool, cool. Guys, you know, and, and, and you at home know that, and this is something I believe, never, ever, ever allow someone from your audience to dictate what your content is. Mm. I have only, I have only taken down one of my episodes before oh. and, and it was because that the guest um, of that particular episode after the fact um, was um, said some, made some comments to me privately in a private way that mm -hmm. made me decide, you know what, in, in my mind and heart, you know what, you're being so rude to me that you mm -hmm. don't, that you don't deserve me. I shouldn't air your content that you helped me with because you're mm -hmm. being so disrespectful. So I've only taken down one episode because the guest was so uh, trollish, <laughs> troll. I've, I've only, <laughs> I've only got stuck with one troll one time and, um, and it's never, it's never happened since. So, you know, well, that's fair. I think that's really fair because, yeah. and this is another thing too. Um, you catch more, what's that saying? You catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. It's like, if you're, if your show mm -hmm. has been great on an episode, but then you're actually rude to the podcast host outside of that, I think that shows a lack of integrity. And if you don't feel right about having their stuff on your show, once again, there's no rules. You get to decide. That's the beauty yeah. of this, right? And, like, and you know what? And that's exactly, that's, that's what I thought. I thought, wait a minute, in my heart, I thought, wait a minute, whose show is it? You came to me. <laughs> okay. This other person out there in society, the person came to me, they recorded a great episode, then they were rude. Whose fault is that, that you were rude to me, to the host? Mm, so, not smart, yeah. not smart. Well, I, I don't know, I don't know, y yes. Yeah. But, but anyway, but, so the fact is, don't let someone or the other, the other thing that sets a common thing that I believe is if someone cares very little about you, you shouldn't really you shouldn't really allow them to tell you what to do. You know, if, yeah. if they, if, if they care so little, and this is, this is something I've been trying to figure out um, for a very long, I, I've, been, I've always wanted to know why is it that people invest so much energy worrying about people who don't even care or worry about them? I would love to know because so much time is wasted every day around the world worrying about other people who don't even care about you anyway. God, I would love mm. to know the answer to that. What, what, what do you think? Yeah. Well, if I think, if I put my life coaching hat on for a second, there could be a few different reasons. Um, so the first one could be that they're a people pleaser. So if someone has characteristics of a people pleaser, and by the way, I used to be this type of person, so I, I, I completely relate yes, to this. Yes, and you did say, oh, and I'm, I'm, I, I don't mean to interject. I'm so, so sorry for the interjection. You did say right here, you did say in one of your Facebook messages that... Um, <clears throat> You said some stuff. I didn't really understand what you said in the message, but you said you used to be like a people pleaser and then you used to have something, something I, the way maybe you typed in kind of an Australian way of putting it, but I, I didn't quite get the idea. So can you explain to me that concept and explain what, what you meant? Because 
I didn't understand. Yeah, totally. So there's actually a model that I teach or I used to teach anyway. (laughs) Um, And this is good for knowing about people to interview on your podcast as well, right? So there's a model that was um, created by a psychiatrist and the model is called the, it's actually called the continuum of self theory. And you can find it on YouTube if you want to Google that. Um, But basically what the theory is, is that if you think of like a piece of paper and you draw a line down the middle, the general population either fit onto one side of the paper or the other side of the paper. Now there's five levels on each side as well. So I'll just briefly, cause it, it's quite in depth. So I'm not going to go into a lot cause I could spend an hour just talking about the model. So I'll just give a rough overview, but basically there are people in the world that either tend to more on the, like they fall on the codependent side of the scale. And then there's another part of the population that tend to fall more on the narcissistic side of the scale, which is the complete opposite. So what tends to happen is that there's five levels. You've got level one, which is the most healthy and functional you can possibly be. And then you trickle all the way down to level five. And that's the most toxic and unhealthy and dysfunctional that you can be within yourself as a person. So typically what happens is, is the person that's on the codependent side of the scale, they're a natural giver, but they can give to the expense of themselves. And that's when the people pleasing comes into play. So a codependent that's a level four or five, they tend to suffer from a lot of people pleasing because they need to feel love, loved, safe and protected by pleasing others to get their needs met. And it usually comes from childhood. Now, the narcissist or the person that's on the narcissistic side, they tend to be more of a taker. They're natural takers. And there's not one that's better than the other, by the way. It's just more the matter of functionality. So when you get to a level five, there's lots of abuse and mistreatment. There's lots of different types of abuse and mistreatment. When you move up to level four, it's a lot, it's not a lot healthier, but you don't have like the physical and sexual abuse or mistreatment in that way. And then if you think of level three as being like the neutral zone, that's where the majority of the population sits, right? It's not fantastic, but it's also not bad. They've, you know, they're not, um, like if you think about a relationship, for example, it's not bad enough to leave that relationship, but it's also not fantastic. So they typically might complain about their partner at like a brunch or something like that. So you know that it's not toxic necessarily that they should leave, but it's also not a fantastic relationship either. Um, And then you work up the scale to level one and level two, where you're the most highly functional you can be. So level ones are like the Oprah's of the world, the Tony Robbins, the really, you know, they've worked on themselves, they're whole and complete within themselves. Um, Whether they're codependent or narcissistic, it's quite hard to tell because they are so healthy and functional. So it's not really a thing. Um, And the codependent is typically the one that suffers from people pleasing, right? Because that's how they get their love. That's how they feel validated. But when you're a level one or two codependent, you don't need that anymore. And you don't people please anymore because you don't need that external validation anymore. So that's kind of how the people pleasing you know, fits into the grand scheme of things. Um, And for those that want to learn more about this model, you can um, look up Ross Rosenberg, who's the psychiatrist that actually created this model. Um, And I know for me, when I learned this, that's when my, everything in my life started to shift because I was like, well, crap, okay, I attracted this relationship, but I also allowed, yes, he didn't do the right thing by me, but I also allowed a lot of this behavior to go on for so many years. So that's my part in this, you know, and I can proudly say I've moved from a level four codependent to a level two codependent. Um, I won't necessarily be able to make to make it to a level one codependent without actually, you know, being tested by a new relationship to level up in that area. Does that make sense? <laughs> sure, it does. It does. Yeah. So I guess that would explain why there's are some people who need to be trolls and need to please themselves from wasting time and kind of 
just trolling around. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah they, they yeah, because to- they're unhappy in in some re- in some regard. They're unhappy in their life, you know, because the people that are really like the game changers, the go getters, that are living their best lives, doing the best things that they can possibly do, they don't have time for that crap. Like, who's got time? Like, if you're a high functioning person and and is actually building, you know, a great life, like you don't have time to be tearing others down online. You've got better things to do, you know, like creating another podcast episode. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, all of this, all of this is, is really, really, really fascinating um, for, you know, our, our listeners at home from around the world. I think that I'm sure, and I hope that you have some questions for me. Um, what is the one question if you, and you have three questions, I have about 12 minutes, but you can ask as many as you want in that time. But if you could only ask me one question, what would you ask me? Um, I would ask you, do you think that having a background in teaching has really helped you perform on your podcast? What do you think? Well, it's a question for you, so I can't answer that, can I? <laughs> I would say yes, because mm-hmm. podcasting has showed me how to, how to convey information that can help someone else. And that's what podcasting is. Beautiful. And what other transferable skills do you think, like, I'm just thinking about your audience, for example. Mm -hmm. So just say that they're also blind, they're sitting at home, they might be, you know, feeling a bit down on themselves because they are struggling to get work or can't work or whatever, and they want like a creative outlet. Would you suggest podcasting as being a good option? Why or why not? And do you think we should have more blind podcasters out in the world rocking it out? Is 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 it a good option for everyone? Well, absolutely not. The answer is it depends on the person. For certain people, I think podcasting would be a horrible idea, and I say that because some people, you know, maybe lack the the, the confidence, right? Lack the public speaking skills. Maybe they mm-hmm. hate public speaking. I can tell I can tell you point blank. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the truth. I love public speaking. I love talking to people. I love just giving my voice to the world. It's just something that I enjoy doing. I also have a lot of odd hobbies and other little things that I like to do just for myself. But what I give back to the world is my voice and what I perceive to be knowledge. And I think that's really important to me. But there are some people who just are not good public speakers and that's totally fine. That's totally okay. We don't, everyone doesn't need to be a public speaker, but it's something that I want to do and something that, you know, that I always enjoy. If anybody, I'll talk to anyone who listens, whether you're, whether you're right, a woman from Australia, or if you're a man from, from Tunisia or wherever you're from, I've had a man from Tunisia, one of, one of my great friends here on the podcast, um, who you're going to get to basically, get to know all of my guests in just a couple minutes when I send you my link to my WhatsApp group. But I, I, I think that for some people, podcasting is a horrible idea. They have nothing to say. Um, you know, they just don't have the public speaking skills. But if you truly are starting a podcast to help one person and then help a million others, if you truly love public speaking, and if you truly want to give information to the world and truly educate people with what the facts are and just help people and have a really enjoyable time doing it, yeah, I think podcasting is perfect. And I wish, and of course, I wish that there were a lot more blind podcasters. Hey, by the way, you know, what if you're a blind podcaster in Australia and you want to guest on Aaron's opinion? Well, know that you are welcome on my podcast. 
blind podcasters from Australia that I've never heard of that I would love <laughs> to hear more about because I'm suspicious that there could be a blind podcaster from Australia, but they're too afraid to reach out or something, or they don't have a large following yet. There could be, I don't know, Daniel's opinion or something out there in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? that's quite possible. So, so well, well, I don't know. Can you, can you find someone like that? Can you go find a blind person named Daniel in Australia and tell him to contact Aaron's opinion? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, because I would I would love to interview someone like that and I, I I'm on a serious note I'm suspicious <clears throat> my suspicion is is that there are more blind podcasters than I'm aware of but they don't have a following so I don't know who they are so there's a lot mm -hmm. of these silent podcasters who are hiding just beneath you know just beneath the surface waiting to come and talk to me so know that yeah know that they're always welcome on Aaron's opinion. This is a welcoming podcast. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say no. Okay. If you're, if you're the type of guest who's willing and you love talking to me, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not saying no. So come on over as I say. Yeah. I think that's like a good approachable attitude. And also like, um, you know, like for me, I didn't even have a following when I started my podcast. Like I started from scratch, you know, no following. Well, no everybody, real... everybody starts from scratch. That's the only way you can start, right? Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, I didn't have good public speaking skills at all, you know, so that's definitely something that can be learned. So if, yeah, if you do have listeners that, you know, would like to start a podcast or they think that they could do it, like if you, if you feel that way, then follow that. Do you know what I mean? Cause I know for me, that's how it started for me. You know, I was kind of like, Oh, I'd love to do that, but I don't have any speaking skills or any public speaking history really, you know, or anything like that or a following. Um, and as you said, Aaron, like everyone's got to start from square one. You can't jump from step one to step 10, you know, you've got to go through the steps. So um, if there are any listeners that want to do that, then go ahead and do that. You know, I hope my stories help provide some, you know, inspiration for you. Like if you don't have a following and any of those things, like all of that stuff comes, you know, with showing up and practicing and, and putting your stuff out there. Definitely. Definitely. Could not, could not have ended this one better. That was Olivia Powell. I am sure that she will be back on Aaron's opinion. Know that you are always welcome on this podcast. If nothing else, know that this is the podcast where you're welcome. And that's all that any guest should ever hope for is that they're welcome on the podcast that they're guesting on. So you're welcome here. Um, and I certainly look forward to guesting on your podcast anytime you'd like. We can, we'll certainly set that up whenever you want later in the future. I know that, well, I don't know. Um, but I'm sure that at some point you will, you will have me on. I, I would love to talk to your audience. I actually enjoy the guesting just as much as I enjoy producing my own stuff. It's, it's equally entertaining for me to be the guest as it is for me to host the guest, you know? Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? It's definitely entertaining. It's a, definitely a source of entertainment for me either way, either way, either side of the microphone. So one more time before we get going, if someone wants to contact you, how would they go about doing that? There's your plug. Yeah. Uh, so I'm on a few, I'm not on, not in heaps of places, but just a couple. So I'm on, um, Facebook. I've got a Facebook support group called becoming a podcast queen, the community. And I'm also on Instagram, which is called become a podcast queen. And my podcast, funnily enough, is also become a podcast queen. So it's quite easy to find me. Um, my email is Olivia Powell coaching at gmail.com. So that's O L I V I A P O W E W -L, L coaching at gmail.com and that's where you can find me so yeah come say hi 
Cool. Well, I think that's about all I have. Um, I tremendously enjoyed this episode as I do uh, for all of them. And from wherever in the world you might be listening, that was, I'm Erin Richmond. She was Olivia from Australia. She did a magnificent job as all of you have done from around the world. Stay safe out there. Keep podcasting and have a good day today. And a great Thank day Thank you so tomorrow. much for having me. My pleasure. <laughs> my pleasure. All right, guys. Bye, everybody. Dunkin's new wake-up go-tos mean you never have to choose between breakfast meats again. Now you can get a wake-up wrap with bacon and a wake-up wrap with sausage for $3. That's savory and sweet, crispy and spicy. It's everything you love about breakfast for $3. Wake up your day with new wake-up go-tos. Get two egg and cheese wraps for $2 or mix and match your favorite meats with two bacon, ham, sausage, or turkey sausage wraps for $3. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. Rule the day the plant-based way with the new vegan mixed berry from Smoothie King. Powered by whole non-GMO fruits, oat milk, and vegan protein, it's a dairy-free plant-based smoothie you can feel great about. With 13 grams of protein and half your daily fiber, it's an easy way to get the essential nutrients your body craves. Skip the line and order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day.